Thank you, Justin. I'm um, excited to be here with you guys. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the daddies out there. Yeah. Um, I got my tribe with me. My wife just went to take two of them over to the to Z kids. And my wife, Jasmine, with me. My eldest daughter, uh, Heather, she's nine. My son, Joshua, is going to be six next month. And then we have a nine-month-year-old, Trinity. Um, and she seems to be the most one, the one that gives the most trouble so far. So pray for me. Um, so I, I, um, I want to thank you once again for being here. Uh, we actually had a name change. We're now World Harvest Community Center. Um, but everybody still knows this is Bay Ridge Christian Center. It's going to take a while. I get that. Um, but man, uh, I love Justin. I love what he's doing. Um, I appreciate you having me here. I don't want to take too much time. Uh, but I, I want to get right into the scripture, if that's cool with you guys. Well, we're, we're looking at the parable of the sower uh, this morning. And if you have your Bibles, uh, Luke chapter 8, starting from verse 4, is what we'll, we'll be reading. Man, and I, I love, Justin, I love this title. I love this theme for your series because it's important that we have a fuller, more robust understanding of the humanity of Jesus. I think that when uh, we don't, it, it robs us of, of some good things and some solid understanding of what, um, what he did. And so uh, what I mean by that is that um, G- the Bible tells us that Jesus um, felt everything we feel, right? And he was tempted in every single way that we've ever been tempted in. And that gives me great great, great um, um, happiness and fulfillment because like Justin was saying earlier, he conquered it all and everything I can't conquer is conquered through him. Um, So if you have your Bible or your app, um, I know you guys are a younger church, so most of you do the app thing. Um, I'm in between. I'm in my mid-30s now, so I still use my my Bible. Um, The app hurts my eyes. I'm supposed to use glasses. Okay, Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 5. Verse 4, uh, read to 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled on the foot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on a rock, and as it grew up, it withered away. Because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. He said these things, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When I was a kid, right, parables scared me. Because of that line, right? So if you grew up anything like I grew up, you know, there was a little bit, well, there's a lot of, a lot of legalism back then. Um, and so it was kind of scary when you read um, a parable and then you had this line here that says, he who have ears to hear, let him, let him hear, let him listen. And, and then you begin to freak out because I didn't get it. I, I didn't understand that at all, Right? And we often say, well, Jesus spoke in parables so they can understand. But here's the thing, they didn't understand. (laughs) So so, something was off there. I don't get it. They didn't get it, right? And so he goes, and and, and what's more, even more interesting is that in verse 9, his disciples, it says, "And, and when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, hold on. 
His disciples didn't get it either. So it, this is even more confusing because, because um, um, so here's what's happening. Let me, let me paint this picture here for us, right? Um, Jesus is doing ministry, like he's killing it right now. Um, if you read the chapters before that, and even in Matthew, when you read the chapters before um, 13, where you also see the parable of the sower, um, he is killing it, right? He is healing. He is um, casting things out. He is restoring. He is raising people from the dead. Um, we have this, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? We, that's a beast of a sermon and Jesus is just doing his thing and what happened what's happening here is that people from town after town are coming and they're following him and the crowd is getting bigger and bigger to the point where it's so big that Jesus actually looks and steps out into a boat into the water like when you read it in Matthew 13 like they're at the edge of the beach right and so he is he goes into a boat and sits there and then says this parable and then people start to disperse. They, they start to walk away. And it isn't the first time that Jesus does something like this, or the only time that Jesus does something like this, but this is the first time that he, he actually begins to say parables. Before that, he was teaching, and he was healing, and all these things, but all of a sudden, he says something weird to people. So they seem, and or I look, used to look at it as weird as a kid. And I would go and, and, and on my knees and cry and pray because, Holy Spirit, please, I don't understand. I, 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 am I saved? Because I don't get it. And so the disciples go to him. And this actually brings me relief because they go to him and they don't get it. And he begins to explain the parable, right? And he says to you, um, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And now here's how we know that they didn't understand the parable either. But yet Jesus starts to explain it to them. And he says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And the one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and, and be saved. And the ones on the rock of the thorns are those who they have heard the word, received it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for the well, as for the one that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold, fat, hold it fast and honest in a good heart and bear fruit with patience. Here, here's the thing. As I begin to listen to that, right, I imagine the disciples, like, they're confused. They go to Jesus, and he begins to explain, right? And so what I like to do, I like to put myself in the story, right, almost like a kid, right, like with my hands on my chin, and I want to listen to Jesus. I want to press in and hear what he has to say because he's about to explain this thing that I don't, I don't get. But as he explains it, I would, I would think that I feel better because now I get to understand it. But then there's, there's this other issue that we have, if, if we're honest with ourselves, that at any given moment, aside from the last one, the good soil, that any of us can relate to the other ones. 
I, I mean, I can relate to all of them. I remember a time when I, I, I heard word and, and I didn't get it. I didn't receive it and I didn't know if I was saved. I've, I've heard word but got choked up with the cares and the worries of the, the world. And, and I, I've, I've I heard word but I wasn't rooted and, and I, I didn't stay planted, and so I went my own way. But if we're honest, when we read this, it actually begins to do something in our hearts because, hold on. First, I didn't get the parable, just like everyone else. But then there's relief because the, 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 the disciples didn't get it either. And they go to Jesus and ask him, what does this even mean? He explains it to them. But then he says things that I relate to. He says things that each and every one of us could relate to if we're honest with our walk because none of, nobody has a smooth walk. If you have a smooth walk, I need to learn from you. I need to hang out with you because I have not yet to figure it out. This walk with Christ has been full of bumps and bruises and sometimes I get off and I go off to the wider path instead of staying on the narrow path and, and all types of things happen in life that cause this walk to be a hard walk at times. And so I, 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 if you don't have that type of walk, please, please enlighten me. But I, I'm looking at this and, and I imagine as a kid when I, when I read that I'm still confused because, hey, uh, uh, wait a minute, did, I didn't get the word, so does that mean that um, the devil took it from me, or um, I didn't apply it, so does that mean that um, I'm getting, that I don't, I'm not rooted? That, wait, that I'm so worried and concerned about my job, and I'm so worried and concerned about providing, and I'm so worried and concerned about X, Y, Z, and am I so caught up that, that I'm, I'm actually one of the other ones? And then there are times where, yeah, I can relate that I've, I've, I've got it. But the thing is, if it's really based on that, if it's really based on word that we hear, like for instance, right, you're hearing this word today, is it, is it really based on you getting this word this morning? Or is it based on something else? I can imagine Jesus being the person that he was and feeling the things that he felt um, Jesus um, was very in tune with his emotions, but the right way, not like the rest of us. <laughs> right? He, he was in tune with them. Um, for example, remember when his, when his boy died and he went and he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, but everyone was crying and everyone was upset and sad and, and um, he wept with them because he was heartbroken for the situation. So, so Jesus is in tune with his feelings and, and his emotions. And so I can imagine as he sits there and then this large crowd is following him and he says these things and multitudes, I mean, the majority walk away. They walk away. Now, I'm not saying that there's no way that only the disciples stood. There were others that stood, but most walked away. And we hear other things like this when Jesus, um, when, when they're following, every time there's a big crowd and they're following Jesus, he always says something strange. There's another time when we hear him say something like, oh, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody thinks he's a cannibal or something. And they walk away. 
But in those both occasions, I found something very interesting. I find something that that helps me better understand um, what Jesus, the point that Jesus is getting across here. In both those incidents, incidents that I mentioned, the disciples press into him. The disciples don't walk away and turn away and, and, and because they don't get it and understand, they don't walk away from him. They actually go to him because they didn't understand. I hope you're getting that this morning. Everyone else didn't understand and, and they didn't care to understand, to be honest. And the truth is this, is the, the reason why they were following Jesus and the reason why many people follow Jesus today is because they're looking for signs, miracles, and wonders. The crowd was excited about what Jesus would do next. I guarantee you that if Jesus wasn't performing miracles, signs, and wonders, and he preached that that sermon on the mountain and didn't do any signs and wonders, people wouldn't follow him. That went over people, most people's heads, and they followed him because he was raising people from the dead, because he was healing others, because he was doing some, some beautiful and marvelous works. So I can imagine Jesus being the man who he is, in touch with his feelings, having to sit on that boat and probably sighing like, and saying this parable on purpose. Because too many of them were following him for the wrong reason. But the disciples, the disciples, every time they didn't understand, they didn't get it. It brings me joy because nowhere in there does it say, well, you're not my disciple anymore. So I get excited. Because, again, the humanity of Scripture, period, and it, it excites me. Because sometimes we put even Bible characters on a pedestal. Right? And, and, but they were all human and flawed, just like you and I, which, which I'm not trying to celebrate their flaws, but it gives me excitement and joy because I'm extremely flawed. There's another time when uh, Jesus even calls Peter Satan, right? Satan was, you know, the simple term for Satan was enemy, your enemy of God's plan. When Jesus tells him, I got to go and I got to be arrested and I got to be beaten and I got to be crucified for your sake and everyone's sake. And Peter, trying to be a tough guy, says, no, 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 I'll die in your place. That's not going to happen. I won't allow that. He didn't get it. To the point where Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't get it. There's a, even at the, when they were at the Last Supper and Jesus is prophesying again about what's going to happen to him, they begin to argue about who's, who's next in line. They, they didn't get it. Just like in the parable of the sower, they didn't get it. But what they did do, every time they didn't understand they pressed in. Even in that moment when, when uh, everyone left, when they thought Jesus was bugging out, when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they went up to him, they were like, what are you even talking about? And he says, are you going to leave me too? And I love their response because they say, no, you're the Messiah. Where would we go? 
So what does it really mean when we talk about when Jesus says um, that you have been open, your eyes have been opened to the secret of the kingdom? That and the parable says that the, the meaning of the sower of the is the seed is the word. I'm grateful this morning because whether you get this word here or not, you, you know your salvation doesn't depend on me. So what do they mean by the word? Well, I'm brought to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 starts off by saying, in the beginning was the word. Then as you read that beautiful description of the word, when you get down to about verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Man, I, 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 I love that because he's describing Jesus as the word, as the ultimate word, as the fulfillment of the word, that all word that was ever prophesied and said throughout the Old Testament and even to today, all of it, all of it is him. This entire Bible is about him from beginning to end. And so when he says the seed is the word, he's talking about himself. And the reason why Jesus had to say this parable and have people turn away is because they weren't receiving him. They weren't about Jesus. They were about what he would or could do. They were concerned about a miracle, a sign, or wonder, or, or being fed. Or they, they were concerned about materialistic, earthly things that Jesus could provide. They were just astounded. It, it's almost like they treated Jesus as he was some sort of magician. Caught up in the, in the awe of things. And don't get me wrong, we should be caught up in the awe of what Jesus does and can do. But scripture reminds us over and over again to be focused on the giver, not what he gives. And so I, I, I am, I am um, encouraged when I read that they don't understand, but yet what they do is press in. I need to encourage you this morning that even when you don't understand what Jesus is doing, even if you don't understand the plan, even if you don't understand what he's even telling you right now, what he's, what he's even saying for you to do, if you don't get it, don't run away, press in. Press into him. Because just like he explains it to them, he'll explain it to us. And you'll go through the motions, right? Like, like I went through the motions when I read this parable um, years and years ago. And even to this day, when I, I look at my life and I see, well, I'm getting caught up in this and I'm getting caught up in that. And I'm not really rooted in the things I should be rooted in. And, and so what is happening here? I'm not following my call. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Does that mean that I'm not a Christian? Does it mean that I'm not a disciple? Does it mean that I fall into the majority of the crowd? And the answer is, thank God, the answer is no. Because they didn't understand either, but they pressed in. They wanted to know. Because they knew one thing for sure. That Jesus was everything. Jesus was everything. And so he... he, he he tells them this parable. He explains the parable, and then he begins to, and then he he begins to um, 
he gets to the last part where it says that as for that, those who, who take it and good soil and keep it with a good heart and grow and mature and what? It's a key word at the end of that, patience. Every word that ever comes out of Jesus' mouth is important. And that word at the end, he says, and bear fruit with patience. And that is key for you and I. Because when we bear fruit, you know, you might have seasons where you just, your fruit is just bearing all over the place. <laughs> right? You got like apples, pears, and everything. Like everybody, like, yo, he's on point, son. Like, fam, he, he's walking the walk. I joke with my brother-in-law. He's not here today, so I can say this. But I joke with my brother-in-law, my, my wife's brother. We joke about fruit, bearing fruit. And we looked up the smallest fruit. I forget the name of it. But we looked up the smallest fruit, and I said, Chris, man, look, at least you're bearing fruit. Are you bearing something, brother? Be patient. It'll grow. Just keep pressing in. Just keep pressing into Jesus. That was the difference. The, 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 the disciples understood what they didn't understand. The rest didn't understand that Jesus was the word. Is the word. And that will never change. And you, you don't understand the context of what's happening in the moment. Just know that because it's Jesus, I love Romans 8. He works it all out for the good. I love that. I love that because I tell you when I used to be so afraid um, when, he, when, he, when I read that, like, he who has ears. Man, I got ears, but I don't know what ears I need because I don't get it. And it's not the first time we hear that, right? You hear that in Isaiah uh, chapter 6. Um, he's God sending Isaiah, and he says the same thing. And, and if you understand anything about Isaiah, it's a, a lot of prophecy about Jesus. And so, and so even there, when you read Isaiah chapter 6, I don't have time to go through the whole thing today, but when you read Isaiah chapter 6, um, part of that towards the end, it speaks about the seed. As Jesus being the seed, and Jesus says the seed is the word, and the word is him because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so as much as it must have broken Jesus' heart when he sat in that boat and said this parable, knowing that as soon as he finished saying it, that the majority of the crowd would disperse, that the majority of the crowd would walk away, but it had to be done. It had to be done. Because Jesus needed to focus on the ones who were true followers. He needed to continue to pour into the ones that are true followers because he had a mission to complete. He had a cross to bear. He had a crucifixion to complete. He had to ascend and leave his Holy Spirit so that the church can build and, and continue and, and go on and on and on. He, he had a mission. But I, I, I guarantee you that it didn't feel good for Jesus to say this. I don't think it ever felt good for Jesus to see 
a multitude walk away. I don't think Jesus was ever happy about hundreds and thousands of people walking away. It said that from town to town to town, like people were just, I don't know how they were doing it. Maybe they had some donkeys or they were just walking and following him, but, but they just kept following him and following because they were astonished about what he does. But they weren't astounded about him. They weren't thrilled about him. They weren't in love with him. They were in love with stuff. They were in love with miracles, signs, and wonders. And the crowd was just too much. And they had to be dismantled. And so Jesus says this parable, and he says it's so that those who don't have ears but can't hear. It doesn't mean that you won't, that you'll understand it. He never said that, it, that when he said that they don't understand, he didn't mean the actual words that were coming out of his mouth. They meant that they didn't, he didn't, they didn't understand who he was. They didn't understand whose presence they were in. They didn't understand that the Savior was here and getting ready to sacrifice himself so that the veil could be torn and that we can have relationship with him forever and ever. They didn't, they didn't understand that what he was about to do. They didn't understand that he was about to defeat death. They didn't understand the bigger picture. And the disciples, the difference between the disciples and everyone else is that they wanted to understand. And that's, that's what is going to make the difference for you and I. That when we don't understand it, we want to understand more about Jesus. That we want to know him more. That we want our relationship with him to flourish and grow, even if it's just a little bit of fruit now. But with patience and commitment, it'll continue to grow. It'll flourish. Be patient with me. And so I am relieved that although I don't understand the parable and that when he explains it, I actually begin to feel guilty because I relate to those things. But then I remember that Jesus paid that price. And I remember that he is the word. Like John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. You got to understand how beautiful that is. Even to say it sounds amazing. That he came down in the flesh and dwelt among us. One of my main goals is to go to Israel just to walk where he walked. And be where he was. So Jesus is the word. John chapter 1 and verse 4 and John chapter 1 verse 14 explains that to us. That Jesus, the word was in the beginning and the beginning was the word. And then Jesus was the word that became flesh and he dwelt among us. And, and the disciples got that. 
The disciples understood that. So if you and I um, come across anything that we uh, don't understand in Scripture or kind of throws us off, um, we can be at ease because there should be, and I believe that everyone in here has something in them that actually wants to and desires to know. Because to dig in deeper and deeper in his word and in prayer brings us into a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. I mean, they had the best benefit. They actually had him there, and so they can come to his feet and press in and listen to him. But because of his Holy Spirit and his word combined, we still have the same opportunity. And so when you hear things in your life or where you hear things that God is saying or God is speaking to you personally or as a church, and you just don't get it, it doesn't mean anything but that you just need to press into Jesus. Allow him to explain and allow your fruit to grow and mature with patience. This is a long, long walk. I read scripture over and over when Paul describes this walk and he says this race that we are running and to run it with endurance and to follow those that um, who have gone before us. And I can imagine that, that the ones we want to follow are the ones that are probably stumbling and limping. Like, don't follow the ones that, that are like, running the race with Jesus. Because either they're pretending or they're not really running the race, to be honest with you. Because when I, lead, when I read scripture over and over again, the ones that are pressing into Jesus, trying to figure this thing out and trying to be faithful and trying to know him more and more, sometimes are crawling. Sometimes are limping. Sometimes somebody has to stop and help them go in the right direction. But continue to press in. Continue to allow the good word that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, the good word that Jesus came and he saw and he conquered, the good word that, that he was crucified, that he was beaten and crucified, but he rose again. The good word that he conquered death and we can shout with all assurance, death where is your sting? Um, um, just, just hold on to that. The Jesus, the word who completed it all, the one who opened up the doors to heaven so that you and I can have access to the Father. The one that they came for, he was the, the, the ultimate sacrifice, the one that he was completely unblemished. That's the word that you hold on to. Other things become confusing. Other things become challenging. We don't understand. It becomes frustrating. But if you hold on to Jesus... It all falls into place. It all falls into place just like it fell into place for the disciples. Even though time and time again they didn't understand, they didn't get it in the moment. They pressed in and it fell into place. And after time passed on, they got it. And that's what we're called to do. Be faithful to him. We would love for him to perform miracles every single day. Who wouldn't? We would love for him to raise people from the dead every day. Who, who wouldn't? 
We would love for him to heal every single one, but then no one would die, so it was a little weird because we need to. I never got that. We would love for this to happen all the time. But what's more important is that we have the one true living God. His name is Jesus. And I love that when he says on the cross his last words, one of his last words, when he says, why have you forsaken me? I, I love that because he did it and that happened so that we would never be forsaken. He did that and allowed that to happen to him, that the father would turn from him, the perfect one, so that he would never turn from us. That's the word that we hold on to. The almighty, powerful, living Jesus Christ who still dwells among us. For what he said, I, I must ascend. It's better for you that I ascend. Because the one that I am sending will be a comforter, will be a guidance, your convictor, your director, be with you forever and ever. Jesus is still with us. And all we got to do is keep pressing in. Could you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you because you are an almighty, powerful God, a perfect God. You know all things. There is nothing, Father God, that takes you by surprise. And yet you looked down upon us and you selected us, Lord God. You, you chose us, Lord God, to be created in your image. And then you decided to come down in human form to be born of a virgin, to live here on earth to grow up as a child in poverty and the corruption and seeing all these things. All to lead you to the path to the cross, which you took on our behalf, the total wrath of God. So, Father, I, I, I ask you because you are the perfect one. You are the one that knows it all. You are the one that has everything figured out already. I ask that you would just help us, Lord, to be reminded to press into you. We may not get it all the time, but to, to press into you. It might be confusing to us at times, but to just to press into you, Jesus. Because you are the word that became flesh and dwelt among us and you are everything. Help us to remember that and grab hold of that every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.